It's episode 192 of Leading Ladies of Corpus Christi, and I'm sitting in a Zoom meeting with Nikila Pradier, the communications advisor for Sitco, and also the president for the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Corpus Christi Alumni Chapter. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. So Debbie Noble reached out and I love Debbie so much. And she's like, have you talked to Nikila? And, uh, <laughs> you know, she, she gave me a list of people and I was like, no, but I never want to jump into people's messages or anything. So I guess she yeah. reached out to you for me and you were so mm -hmm. gracious and gave me your phone number and we were texting after that. So thank you for that. Yeah, no. And uh, yeah, shout out to Debbie for never being shy, being her her normal bubbly social butterfly self to uh to connect us um it's always great i, I love work working with her and um i'm really looking forward to this conversation same same so how, how was your day today um it was pretty good but busy um we're doing some great things still at sitgo we had a chance to host um a, a uh a program that we we've partnered with for quite a while now called uh, best of book bus and we bring that mobile literacy program here um, so that elementary school kids can each receive a free book that they get to keep and take home. Um, so they they really value it. And how, you know, how can your day go bad when you start the day with uh, smiles on kids' faces and, and them uh, talking about their joy of reading? Uh, so that really puts things in perspective when your day starts out that way. You can't complain about too much after that. That's so true. Uh, and, and I love that. And I love that, you know, uh, Sitco, you know, a uh, company that's an industry thinks of ways to give back, you know, and you're so critical and, you know, ensuring that those programs are, you know, being provided to the coastal bend. So I think that that's absolutely incredible. So, yeah. So you've been doing communications work for a while. I mean, you actually majored in it in college. So what led you to that particular career path? And I know that you grew up in Houston. Did it have anything to do with, with that area or how did that come to be? No, it really didn't. You know, funny enough, um, when I was in school, um, I thought I wanted to go into medicine um, and I wanted to be some type of doctor. I think I was thinking about uh, sports medicine because I've also ha always had a love for sports. Um, so I was fortunate enough to get accepted into a magnet high school in Houston that focuses on health professions. It carries the name DeBakey now. Uh, it didn't when I was uh, there. But, um, you know, the curriculum was rigorous and we had a chance to actually go into the hospital, help with treatment of patients and get to see different specialties up close. And I decided after time in the hospital that I'm not built for this. <laughs> so so I quickly had to uh, shift gears. Um, so but I'm really thankful for my time there. Right. Because if I would have just went to another high school where I didn't have such a hyper focus on health professions. I probably would have gone to college thinking that I still wanted to do that and wasted a lot of time. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so when I got to uh, Texas A&M university, I mean, college station, Texas, uh, I just knew that I wanted to do something else. And I thought, well, what else, you know, do I like to do? Uh, of course, not really thinking and knowing what journalism and journalism is. I just thought, Hey, I, I like to write. I like to journal. I like to get my feelings out and communicate. So let's try journalism. Um, but it stuck. And that's what I ended up pursuing uh, and, and getting my degree in there at A&M. Very good. Uh, yeah, I want to go back a little bit. Um, what an amazing opportunity that your high school allowed y'all to spend time in the hospital. That is invaluable. And yeah. like like you said, if, if you hadn't been able to get that kind of first person experience you like you said you would have attempted to go to medical school and all the headache just to realize you didn't like it wow what an incredible program yeah it really is i'm thankful for it um i think debakey has really grown now and you know it's kind of like it's its own legend yeah <laughs> there in houston uh smack that in the in the medical center and has even since moved to a larger campus um so they really they really do great work there. But, you know, it's it's easier now to look back on it um, now that I'm older than I was in the moment, you know, because I was just a kid. I was a teenager. I graduated high school when I was 16 years old. So, I, you know, I did, 
I don't, you know, you, at that time, you, you, you just, you don't know what you don't know, but you kind of have a feeling. Um, and so uh, I, I just went there and you're kind of thinking, well, what was the purpose for that if I don't pursue that career, yes. right? But again, like I said, it, it caused me to do the pivot in enough time to have an efficient college career. I met some of my best friends in high school who I'm still friends with to this day. So there was definitely a purpose for me taking that step. And thank you for sharing that, too, because I think a lot of people can view roadblocks or pauses in the road or, you know, whatever it may be, things not working out how they expect it as, as just that. But no, it ultimately directs you to where you're supposed to be. Um, so, so thank you for sharing that, you know, and like you said, as a kid, you have no idea. But also you graduated at 16. Is that just because I don't even know how that happens? Is it just you're just fully focused and excelling constantly? Uh, no, I wouldn't quite say that. I, I definitely don't want to peg myself as some, you know, very special person. In fact, um, at, at my high school and in my class, two of my friends, uh, during that time, uh, they were the same age as I was. And so, you know, it's, it's not like I was some kind of novelty there in my school. There were other things happening there, but I just, I don't know. I think it's just the way things worked out. Um, maybe everything was just divinely ordained. I, I really started out in a preschool that wasn't in the public school system. It was private. And um, apparently they did a great job with me there because once I entered the public school system, they had already put me at uh, a grade ahead of where I was supposed to be for my age. Okay. And so even from very early in elementary school, I was always ahead and, and a little younger than most of my classmates. Um, so, um, I'm thankful it was a unique experience, but I'm thankful it worked out that way. Yeah, no, me too. Um, and the fact that you were still able to get a, a really good education, you know what I mean? Like it all worked out for you to just really, you know, enjoy where you were and, and try to pursue different things. So did you immediately get into A&M at 16? Yeah, I, I, I got admitted. Um, <laughs> you're exceptional. Story, you're I, exceptional. You can try to say you're not. You're exceptional. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think so. Well, especially when I see what these kids are doing now. I mean, some of these kids are, you know, by the time they graduate high school, they already have associate's degrees or, you know, some of them are, are even excelling past that. Isn't that crazy? It's amazing. I'm like, why isn't this offered across the board? I, I, I was given the option and I was too naive to realize how uh, much of an advantage it would be, you know, but if you just kind of make it across the board, then lead them to the path. But I, I'm with you 100%. But having done what you did, I mean, I, I, if you're not going to take credit for it, I'm going to give you credit for it. So but anyway, so you were admitted. Yeah, so um, I was admitted there, uh, really did not have Texas A&M on my radar uh, very much. Um, I, I shared that I love sports. And uh, particularly in high school, I was enamored uh, with a group of players at the University of Michigan called the Fab Five. Uh, famously, uh, members uh, Chris Weber, Jalen Rose are some of the familiar names there. And I just had my heart set on going to Michigan. I don't know why this Texas girl, born and raised in Houston, with roots in Louisiana, I wanted to go all the way up to Michigan, but I did. That That's, the, that's how strong the pull was for me. Um, so I applied there, got admitted, even got a, you know, a little bit of scholarship money offered to me. Um, but as time went on, um, especially during my senior year, uh, we had uh, college recruiters come and, and visit our campus. And uh, there was a recruiter uh, by the name of Chris Brown who came and visited our high school. Um, and he was just very, he was great at his job. Um, you know, he, he sold A&M. Um, he was looking particularly for um, diversity in the incoming class. Um, and, and, and our high school was a great representation of that. I mean, it's just like every kind of, uh, you know, ethnicity, culture represented there um, at the school uh, with not very many students, only 166 in our graduating class. Wow. Um, so after talking with Chris a couple of times and uh, I, I finally worked up the nerve to go visit the campus. And once I visited the campus, I was sold. <laughs> it's a. Uh, and, you know, something that Aggies say is, um, I guess, from the outside looking in, you can't understand it from the inside out. You can't explain it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I felt uh, when I got there. And so after I had made up my mind about that, it was just a matter of making sure I did everything I could to make sure that I, you know, submitted everything on time uh, uh, to getting accepted. 
Um, and, and I did, and, uh, I, I'm just, I'm so fortunate for that. I, I'm so blessed. I, I talked about high school and how I had great friends there, but I mean, in college, I met my ultimate best friends, people I've been rocking with for over 20 years now, um, I had a great educational experience there and it is just exceptional. I, I couldn't see my life without, uh, being at A&M, but it was awkward, uh, turning 17, the two days before I started classes as a freshman. Wow, that's, I mean, it has to be a shock. I mean, there might be like a handful of 17-year-olds there, maybe, but most people are like in the 18, 19 range. And there's quite a big jump in, you know, life experience and that kind of thing, just within those few years, you know? Uh, that is very interesting. Another thing that I think is interesting is that you know, people in Texas, right? Because like you said, you have roots in Louisiana, but ultimately from Houston. Most people mm -hmm. are looking at like the major Texas colleges out of high school, you know, and you didn't even consider them. And people are like, you got into Texas A&M and you're like, I wanted to go to Michigan. That is so funny to me. And also another example of your thinking that your college career was going to go a certain way and kind of taking a, a detour to a way that was best suited for you. I, I really like that. Yeah, I, um, I, I, yeah, thinking, thinking back on it, um, it, it, it's really remarkable. And, um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I really didn't have any big ideas about how it was all going to unfold when I was a student. I just knew that as I went year by year, um, after some setbacks, academic probation, major probation, and finally fighting my way through to finish, I just knew that I learned to love it more and grew more with every class that I took there, every course, um, every interaction I had with an impactful professor, or again, meeting more friends there and really just, you know, embracing the, the campus culture and being there um, and getting more involved on campus too. Uh, it, it, it really, looking back on it, 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 it really amazes me how it just all worked out because I can, you know, I feel like all of that has played a role in who I am now and where I am today. Um, but you know, that it seems very long ago. I mean, I guess chronologically it is a little bit ago, but some of those things still feel like yesterday. So when you started at A&M, did you immediately uh, become a communications major with an emphasis in journalism or did you kind of bounce around? Because universities like that have so many options for majors. So were you like sure. one and done or, or how did you handle that? I was one and done. Um, and again, I, I think, I don't know, I may be wrong, but I do think sometimes that tends to be the exception and, and, and not is. the rule. Um, I just decided on journalism when I knew I wasn't going to pursue medicine in the health professions. And um, and it, it worked out after that. Um, you know, as I just stated, I had my challenges. Um, <laughs> But I got through it and I just never, I never wanted to ab abandon it because as the coursework um, advanced and I had a chance to just learn more and uh, do some hands-on things in some of my classes, it just, it really intrigued me. And I really got to learn, I guess, more about the different positions in journalism. Some people think uh, everybody who wants to go into it wants to immediately be on camera yep. or do something like that. And it's not that, that I didn't. Um, have those thoughts, but it really expanded it to let me know that there's so much more to the industry and so much more that I could do and even possibly have more influence um, if I wasn't just the person standing in front of the camera. I mean, there are definitely advantages to both. Yes. And you can have influence in both places. And I learned that by by continuing on with that major and powering through that while I was at A&M. Very good. And also, I want to point out, because you, know, you brought up the challenges that you experienced while in university. And I think anybody who's gone to a university can attest to, you know, they're encountering some challenges. You're also a very young student, you know, like it's a total culture shock to be in this huge university and kind of finding your place. And it sounds like obviously you did. So is this where you became affiliated with the Delta Sigma Theta sorority? Actually, it was not. Okay. Um, I, I thought that was a for sure yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I, I like having these conversations because, I, you know, I like to share with people who aren't familiar 
um, about the structure of a lot of the sororities and fraternities that are part of the Divine Nine, which are the historically Black sororities and fraternities. Mm -hmm. So they were founded on college campuses, and they definitely have collegiate roots. Um, however, the alumni chapters, um, like what I'm president of now, um, initiate plenty of members. In the case of our sorority, more members through the alumni route than through the collegiate route. Okay. And so although there was a chapter of my now sorority on campus when I was there, I didn't actually become a member uh, while I was in college. Uh, but a couple of my close friends uh, who were also my roommates uh, were initiated during that time. Um, but even before that, even in high school, I'd seen some of the the impact of women who were in the sorority, what they had done, um, impacts that they made. And it just made me learn more about the organization and, and ultimately just wait for my time to pursue membership. And fortunately, that happened um, in 2010 when I was initiated as a member. Okay, very good. So this was, so you had already moved to Corpus at that time? I Excuse me. I was actually in the Dallas area. Okay. I moved to Corpus in 2013. Um, but a few years before that in 2010 is when um, I became a member uh, of Delta Sigma Theta. Okay. Very good. So when you graduated from A&M with your communications degree, was it in Dallas that you started actually working um, in journalism? Um, mm, no. Uh, well, Eventually I did, uh, but I took a little bit of a detour. I didn't go straight into working. Um, well, actually I did, but not in journalism. Mm -hmm. I stayed in College Station, uh, got a job at a, a random company that was just willing to hire, you know, <laughs> uh, new graduates, right? And at this point you're like, oh, you know, you just want some kind of salary. Uh, yes. Some benefits will be nice, you know, yes. that kind of thing. So I literally ended up just working for a company for several months, um, you know, in College Station while I was trying to figure out what was next. And in, um, you know, a twist of fate, as I mentioned earlier, the the, the A&M college recruiter who came to my high school campus and had a big influence on my decision to go to A&M, well, after several months after working for that company... I end up being hired as an admissions counselor at Texas A&M. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. And so now I had the opportunity to recruit and help students who wanted to attend A&M yes. to be able to come and give them advice on that. So, uh, yeah. So that's fantastic. But still, yeah. I, it's almost that's a very full circle moment. That is really neat. I, yeah, I think so, too. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I did it until I decided I was ready to go to graduate school. And so that's what brought me to uh, the North Texas area. I went to the University of North Texas and I earned my master's of journalism there. Very good. Um, wow. Yeah. So I did that. But, you know, it, it took a little while still before I got into journalism. It wasn't um, an automatic thing where I was able to find an opportunity right away. I yeah. Just, I kept working at it until I, I actually was able to get a break. So with that being said, because you definitely got the education, right? And you mm -hmm. ultimately, which we'll get into in a little bit, did get into journalism. And I mean, you are have been doing communications for a long time. But for anybody right. wanting to pursue journalism as a career, what are some things that you think they should know beforehand? Well, I think um, because this was such a revelation for me is to uh, really think about all the different positions within the industry in which you can serve. Um, you don't just have to be a news reporter. You don't just have to work in news. You can do other things, too. Um, you know, if that's really what, what you want to pursue in terms of journalism and communications. Um, so I, I think that's helpful. Um, and especially for women, because, I, you know, it'd be nice to see more uh, women in in positions of leadership that are uh, behind the camera, uh, you know, learn about producing, learn about directing. Um, you know, those are the, the positions and the skills that you do when you learn 
so that you can work your way up and get into the executive ranks. So you become that assistant news director. You become that news director. You become a general manager of a TV station or a radio station, whatever you desire. So I, I really like for people to, to you know, um, think bigger uh, when it comes to uh, the journalism industry. Yes. Uh, the second thing, yeah, the second thing I'll say is that, um, you know, although you definitely want to perform well in college, make sure you keep your grades up and all of that stuff, nothing beats hands-on experience in that industry. So while you're a student, uh, don't wait like me until, <laughs> until after, while you're a student, get your internships, uh, however you can work them. They are invaluable. They're, in, they're invaluable. Um, you, you get to be there in the newsroom. Uh, you get to learn uh, head on what you want to do. It doesn't necessarily have to be in TV. I did internships, but not until I was in grad school in radio. Mm. And I actually started out in radio. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of uh, different avenues you can pursue there, but but yeah, getting uh, an internship or a lot of colleges now have their own communications departments where they have their own TV stations, yep. their own radio stations. Get involved in that. Get hands on because um, nothing is going to beat that when you can market yourself and say, I've used that piece of equipment. I've used that software program. Yep. Um, so I can step into your newsroom today. And I can do that or I can step into your booth today and do that. So those are really the two big takeaways uh, I, I would uh, give people. Those are fantastic. Uh, and you're right <laughs> that now uh, pretty much everything's at your fingertips if you enroll in a program to do this kind of stuff with studios and, every, yep. you know, all the equipment, like you said, and, and everything. So uh, that that's a, a big one. And not to wait. Yeah. So you said when you were in graduate school is when you kind of immersed yourself in the more real life experience. Do you feel like you were a natural or were you kind of like, oh, OK, I got to kind of, you know, figure this out or how did it go? Yeah, no, I definitely was not a natural. <laughs> I'm surprised. I have to be honest, because you, you're so, I, I don't know, just poised, like so good. Well, it's taking a long time to get here. <laughs> and sometimes I still feel scattered. But um, when, uh, when I first started, I actually, okay, so I did have a little radio gig when I was at A&M in undergrad, but it was, it was for an NPR, PRI affiliate that we had there on campus, KAMU. So I did that for a couple of years and, and I was I was happy to do that. I was very fortunate to do it um, and uh, to be able to, you know, practice announcements and, and, and do things like that and just have a chance to be on the air. Um, but when I went back and, and listened to that years later, I'm thinking, man, I don't even sound like the same person. You know, it's a it, you really have to grow into it sometimes now. Some people are naturals, and so they take to it right away. And, hey, mm -hmm. if you're able to do that, go for it. But I would not say uh, that I was. I, I really had to cut my teeth um, when I started working professionally in radio, and that happened. Uh, although I did an internship in Dallas, and I did it with the the, um, the radio station that carried the Texas Rangers games, the, the, the baseball team up in the uh, Dallas area, I really didn't cut my teeth until I moved to San Antonio and I got my first working radio gig. I started out part time. Wow. Um, but it was in news. I was an anchor there in the evenings. And then I eventually moved to full time and became a reporter. This um, is on the radio. So you are reporting news on the radio. Correct. Wow. Yeah, on the radio, uh, this wonderful flagship station, KTSA in San Antonio, um, which had been through all kind of format changes, but it's been news and talk for a while now. And um, unfortunately, I, I I, have to tell this story quickly. No, I, I don't make it quick. Tell the story. <laughs> I After I got out of grad school and uh, I could not find a job in journalism, one of my very best friends who I met at A&M, um, had uh, moved back to her hometown of San Antonio. She got a house. And she said, you know, Dallas is bigger. It's a little competitive. Why don't you just come move to San Antonio and, and, and try your hand, come live with me, see what happens. These are the kinds of wonderful people I met at Yes. Okay. She, she moved me 
into her house. And of course I contributed, but you know, she knew my situation and she wanted to see me win, which, you know, that's all we can really ask for with our friends. Right. Yes. So I get there, I end up again working just, um, you know, a job outside of journalism just to make some money, uh, get bills. Uh, I worked at a bank. Uh, I was a barista at Starbucks. This is while I was working part-time at the radio station. Oh too. man. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> That, you know, this is all happening while I'm trying to, uh, you know, build up this opportunity. Um, thankfully, I had a really wonderful mentor at that radio station in San Antonio. And she's in the Texas Radio Hall of Fame. Her name is Elizabeth Ruiz. And um, she really just cared about seeing me grow as a professional, as a communicator, as a journalist. Um, Liz is so well respected in San Antonio. And I, I just... I call it a complete honor and really, a, you know, a, a God thing that I had a chance to work alongside her um, because she's great. She's since retired from radio, but still very, very active in the San Antonio community. And, um, you know, that that's to me is really where I grew, where I blossomed. I had a chance to, um, you know, sit and anchor news there, but also had a chance to go out in the field and report um, you know, on, on regular news coverage stories, but also breaking news. And so it really opened my eyes to what uh, the industry could be for me and yes. how I could possibly have a career um, in journalism. But I, I still didn't know if I would ever make it to TV. Uh, you know, that just kind of happened because life happens, right? <laughs> I didn't map that out. Uh, necessarily. So um, I, I, I don't know, just thinking back into, gosh, really, just thinking about all this now is really, uh, uh, it, it's really making me think and, 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 um, and, and just, you know, really marvel at, at all the steps that I've taken to get here. It's, it's been a ride. <laughs> that makes me so happy because ultimately you are reflecting on, like you said, all, all the, the events, one thing led to another kind of thing. And it's so cool to me that you had two, at least that you've mentioned women in your life in that San Antonio period that were really just lifting you up in the best of ways. Those are my favorite stories. And it's also interesting to me, because San Antonio is massive, as far as I'm concerned, right? Yeah. And so for them to be like, D Dallas is a big market. Come to San Antonio. Like, isn't that still a huge market? Maybe not in comparison to Dallas. I don't know. Yeah, not in comparison to Dallas. But, you know, you're right. Um, I really underestimated uh, San Antonio before I moved there. Um, but I, I really enjoyed living in San Antonio. I was there for five years. I didn't work at the radio station the whole time, of course, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was great living in San Antonio. And I mean, at that point I'm, I'm younger, so I get to, you know, really have a life outside of work too, in an area that's vibrant and growing and, you know, there's so much going on there, even more so now, but even, even back then in, um, 2008, you know, it, it, it really was a, a great place to land. Um, yes. But you're right. It, it, it is a big market. <laughs> it is. So, uh, yeah, so I don't, I wasn't necessarily taking this, you know, huge step down or I don't know if I was thinking I was just going to be covering, you know, m much smaller stories or not major news, but I definitely was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you obviously established yourself really well. So, for anybody who's lived in Corpus for any amount of time, we know you made it to television. Yeah. But was the did you transition from radio to Chris Six in Corpus, or what was the next step after the radio gig in San Antonio? In San Antonio, I then went and worked in radio in the Dallas area. So I returned to the Dallas area. I worked there for a uh, a radio station. It's actually a, a small Christian station, but they had a news department, which I had never really heard of. Right. Uh, you know, most Christian stations, I think, are just mostly music, you know, mm -hmm. contemporary music, that kind of thing. Um, however, when I went to a conference for the Texas Association of Broadcasters in Austin, I ran across and met uh, now my friend, my former colleague, who was working at the radio station at that time. And he told me, hey, there's a news department there. They may be looking to add some staff. So 
let's just keep in touch. And sure enough, several months later, they were looking for um, a reporter to come to the news department. So I gathered my materials. I went there and I got the job. And I was there for... Um, okay, no, I was in Dallas for five years. See, I'm getting all these years confused. I was, <laughs> I was in San Antonio for three years. Okay. But I was in, da- I was in Dallas for five years um, and, you know, still you know, trucking along at my job and, and, you know, doing everything I needed to do to, to do news and had a chance to do some, you know, unique programming that I never thought I would have a chance to do. Uh, but then the radio station decided to go in another direction and I got laid off. Oh man. I got laid off. They got rid of the whole news department and, um, you know, it happens. Uh, I didn't foresee it happening to me, right? Uh, but it did. So after I cried a little bit and got that out the way, Um, I started thinking about, you know, what comes next, but, you know, I'm so thankful for that time off. Um, during that time off, um, my mom had surgery. My very best friend had surgery. Wow. If I hadn't had downtime or I would have been, you know, consumed with my work, I would have been able to be there for them. So I really counted a blessing and it's just, you know, it's unique to look back. You never know the real purpose for why something's happening like we were talking about earlier but there's, yes there's always a purpose there i love the so, way you reframe uh, all that that's so it's just a real to me really important for people to hear and it may not be like you said when you're in it it's not really easy to see the benefit but trust that okay. there is one you know i, I really really appreciate that yeah i appreciate you saying that and i think it's important for people to hear too because like you said when we're in it it doesn't always feel like it, right? Yeah. So uh, after several months, um, I was able to go work with a friend just supporting her business um, part-time. Um, and then a former colleague of mine from San Antonio had just moved to Corpus Christi and was working at the TV station here. And he said, we're looking for talent. So if anybody that's my Facebook friend that I know <laughs> is a talent or knows talent, then let me know. And that was my sign. Yes. <laughs> so Had you ever been here before? I had only been here once okay. when I was in high school for a bowling tournament. And that's <laughs> Been to Corpus Christi. That's hilarious. Uh, so I really didn't know much about Corpus at all. I just knew that I wanted to get back into journalism. And hey, here's my shot to try TV out and see what it's like. You yes. know. So we, I started communicating. Um, you know, with my former colleague, I, I let him know my interest. I I scraped the little pennies I had together to put together a little demo tape, get something on, you know, a, a reel for him to look at. And fortunately, that was enough. After some uh, uh, conversations over social media and over the phone, uh, I drove down to Corpus from Dallas, um, brought my materials, and I was offered a job on the spot. Wow, that really worked out. So were there any reservations about being on TV? Because up until that point, you hadn't really uh, presented news on television, right? So how, how was that? Well, fortunately, and and I'll credit my former news director for this, uh, you know, I was eased into the position. So when I first came uh, to the TV station, I wasn't on air right away. You know, I thought maybe I wanted to be on air right away, but I really had to learn the business first. So yeah. I trained as a producer um, on the morning show, and um, I did that for a little while. Then I moved to the evenings and produced there. Um, and then I moved back to the morning show and became the executive producer. Wow. Um, yeah. So I did a lot of producer, uh, a lot of producing there at the station before I got on the air. And I'm, I'm really thankful for that because it really allowed me to learn more about how TV news operates, yes. right? Yep. Radio is just so different because it's audio, you know, and this was before you know, a lot of things we put on social media and everybody had some kind of video components of what they're talking about. Right? right. So this was before that. So you could literally just take a small piece of equipment, a small recorder, your phone, a microphone, and you were your own one woman band. Right. <laughs> but, you know, TV is so different. It's so intricate. You need so many people to rely on to yep. 
put together a product and get it on the air so that it's, you know, presentable. Um, and you would and, do writing also as a producer, right? Oh, yes. A ton of writing. And radio really helped me with that. And I think my former news director, he kind of foresaw that, that, you know, the experience I had with radio, especially since we had worked in radio together, and knowing what a producer primarily does, um, I think he knew that my skills would translate well to start out there. Yes. Then once I learned a little bit more, let's see about on-air opportunities. And unfortunately, those did come a couple of years later. Yes. Yeah, so you anchored and reported. I did. I did. I, uh, yeah, I reported uh, mostly uh, during the evening newscast. I did a little bit during the daytime, but mm -hmm. mostly during the evening. And then I had a chance to anchor on the weekends. Yes. And you, you uh, focused on sports and some of your report, which I think is really great because you've always been a big sports enthusiast. Yeah, I, I would say I kind of maybe uh, insinuated myself into the sports coverage at the uh, at the TV station. No, it was great. Uh, my 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 former news director, who I worked with in San Antonio, um, he's a big sports guy. He knew that I loved sports. We had talked sports a little bit in San Antonio while we were both there, and so he knew that I always had an interest and a knowledge. You know, yes. he didn't you know put me, put me on because I didn't know what I was doing. Of course, right. yeah, that's um, that would be intimidating. <laughs> And uh, we kind of expanded the, the the coverage, especially of high school football, um, at the TV station at that time. Yes. Um, you know, fortunately enough, I worked with him and, and the sports director at that time, and uh, and they let me join the team. And so I had a chance to do that for a couple of seasons. Really, some of the most joyful work I've ever done um, in journalism. I'm it so was, glad. Yeah, fun. It was just it was just fun, and. Um, and I, I just loved it. I love the fast pace. Um, I love just getting to go to to different fields and to just be in the atmosphere with the the crowds and the games. It it was really really wonderful. And I I haven't been able to let go of high school football since. I, I go to at least a couple of games every season. Now. Really, that's so great. And I mean, high school football is exciting. It really is. I haven't been in years, but uh, you know, when I was in high school, really enjoyed it. Um. I love that. I love that you took that piece with you because we all know that yeah. you didn't stay as an anchor reporter forever. Like you, I feel like you've conquered the news business. You know it well. And you realize that maybe your skills could be utilized elsewhere because you did public relations for Krista's Health and now you're, right. you know, working for Sitgo. And so what mm -hmm. made you decide to kind of channel your skills in a different direction? You know, for me, and this is not a knock to the news industry, um, especially when it comes to TV, but, you know, I was a little more advanced in age when I got to this TV station than, than most of the reporters and producers are. You know, most of them are typically coming right out of undergraduate work and they, and they go straight in. They have internship experience and they start, you know, learning on the ground, you know, while they're um, while they're getting their first professional work experience. But I had already done, you know, quite a bit before I came there. Um, and, you know, once you get to a certain age, it's not that you don't enjoy the work. It's just that uh, you start to think a little bit more about quality of life in terms of hours that you work. Yes. Uh, things that you're, you know, going out to do for your job, for instance, you know having to go stand in the rain or in a thunderstorm to report about the weather to the, you know, yep. it, it doesn't become uh, very ideal or very attractive, you know, once you get to and above 40, right? <laughs> so I just, I just started thinking, uh, you know, there are others who do it and do it well, and they're able to still excel, uh, you know, and, and they do it. And that's great that they have a love for it. And I do still love the news, but I just thought, maybe it's time. I think there's something else for me. Maybe it's time for me to pursue something else. And uh, fortunately, you know, there were great opportunities in Corpus Christi for that. I, I thought I would have to leave this city, um, but it made it even better because I didn't. There were great opportunities here where I was able to advance uh, my career and kind of use my skills in a different way. Still tell stories, yes. which is magnificent. Um, just do it in a different way and for different audiences. And so I'm just I feel so blessed to be able to still do that. 
I'm glad because, and that's another point that I want to highlight, you know, uh, uh, being from Corpus Christi, we're not the biggest city, you know, that kind of thing. We're kind of, we're getting there, but you know, it's like the slow pace. So for you to say that, that, you know, you got out of news and we're like, well, what can I do with the experience and the education that I have? And that there were opportunities because you've had some pretty big positions and I mean the position you're in right now I mean that's so huge like what you were just talking about at the beginning of our discussion about the program yeah. that that uh, y'all are kind of spearheading it's just incredible um sure. that I'm thrilled to to hear that so how long have you been with Sitgo now I've only been with Sitgo for about a mm, a little over a year and a half okay. now. maybe about a year and eight months yeah and that was after two years with Christus um but, you know, it's, it's, it's going really well. I also like learning about different industries, right? Yes. So, you know, even though I went to a high school for health profession, still learned a ton about healthcare. care. Uh, yep. When I was with Chris's, especially since, hello, four months after I took the job, a global pandemic. Oh, out, my right? gosh. Yes. Wow. I didn't even consider that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely wasn't expecting it. Right. <laughs> And so then that happens. And now I get to learn more, you know, about the refining industry. And so I just, uh, I'm kind of a, a self-professed nerd. So I just like learning about different things, different industries, how, you know, different processes work. So it's really all just been a big learning journey for me. I hope, you know, I never consider myself at the peak. And, you know, I'm always yes. thinking I can learn more, I can do more, um, you know, so you know, I can either be in a position that will afford those opportunities for me to do that, or, you know, hopefully I would, you know, get afforded another opportunity where I would be able to continue to grow um, in, in my career and my skill set. Absolutely. And I, I mean, that's obvious, an obvious reason why people would want you on their team is because you're not just seeing it as a job that you're doing and kind of confining yourself to these specific roles of your job. You want to learn about the industry that you're in and that you're representing and everything that's huge and you, you make it enjoyable for yourself because i i can tell you're the kind of person that if you weren't enjoying it you wouldn't be sticking around you know what i mean which is right. another thing i think uh a lot of people can hear you know what i mean like it's okay to to look outside or, or grow and expand and, and that kind of thing so amazing so i want to switch gears slightly and talk about the work that you're doing as president of the delta sigma theta sorority because you're doing some really important work one of the most recent events being the mlk march that happened so uh, tell, tell me about how you became president and, and um you know what all that entails yeah so uh, i'll start out by saying i never intended to be president <laughs> Of uh, the the chapter here of our sorority, but you know, um, God works in mysterious ways. Yes, I, um, you know, when I moved here, you know, I, I shared earlier that I was initiated as a member in 2010. I moved here in 2013. Yeah, I really did not have a chance to become involved with the local chapter when I first moved here because my hours were all over the place, working at the TV station and kind of, you know, learning the skills there. Um, but a couple of years after I moved here, I was able to reconnect with a local member who just so happened to be a graduate student at Texas A&M while I was an undergraduate student. Okay. Um, and she was in the local chapter here because she's a member of the sorority. So I connected with her and then I started getting more involved in the chapter. So this was probably like 2015, maybe 2015, 2016, something like that. Um, and you know, it's a small chapter because Corpus Christi is a smaller city, right? Um, but I was so thankful uh, to be a part of this chapter. Um, you get to know, you know, your sisters a little more intimately. They can pour into you more. Um, and, and that's really what they did. I, I feel like they kind of fed my soul because I was still a fairly new member, learning things, trying to figure things out but still very, you know, passionate about serving with my sorority. And I will say that I couldn't be where I am now without them because they really, you know, empowered me. They made sure that I learned whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> you know, even when I resisted, they insisted that I grow. Um, and, 
I, I just don't think I, I could have been where I am. Now, I think I, I probably ended up as president because some of those great women, my sorority sisters, have moved out of the Corpus Christi area for various reasons, some for employment, some for retirement, moving back home, those kinds of things. Um, but, um, you know, since some of them have gone, um, you know, some of us who are still here have just had to step up to, to, to keep the chapter going and to make sure that the sorority's legacy stays alive here. Um, and so I, I just gradually did my part. I, I took one officer position and then another that was a little more, you know, elevated. And then um, finally to president. And I just, you know, I'm honored that my sorority sisters felt confident enough in me uh, to be able to lead the chapter. I, it's my first year in this position as far wow. as our sorority year goes. I, I'm still learning a whole lot. Do I mess up a lot? Sure. Uh, but um, but I'm, I'm really committed to making sure that I get this as right as possible. Um, and I, you know, our, our sorority just carries such weight it, for me, it's nothing to play with. Yes. I need to make sure that we are well represented in this community and to, to come here and to see that this chapter, you know, is has been the torchbearer for something as important as the citywide MLK March yes. for decades now. I mean, it just, I, I, it, it really made me just like super duper proud. And I continue to be proud um, of the work that we do when it comes to the MLK March and other community programs that we have. Absolutely. And if I'm not, please correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the first year that y'all actually got the city, like city employees involved? Because it, it started at City Hall, right? Yes, it did start at City Hall this year. So um, a little bit of history, the, the march over the years, because um, it's it's been over 35 years mm -hmm. now that, that the sorority chapter has um you know, hosted uh, the march. Yes, it it is it is definitely evolved. It, it's gone through stages of, of being started at different locations, uh, all the way from local parks. It did have a stint at City Hall, but I think this was you know a long time ago. Okay, and then eventually moved to the county courthouse where it had been for years, at least from where where it started. Um, but we started getting a lot of interest from the city of wanting to be more involved uh, in the march. So that it could be bigger, so that we could grow it, so that more people could get involved. And I think that was really helpful, especially for people who have not been as in Corpus Christi as long. Yes. Um, to be able to see that we're having this kind of event and that, um, you know, and we want everybody to attend. And there, there's still room for this event to grow. Mm -hmm. So I, I think about that. And when we uh, forge partnerships, you know, with organizations like the city of Corpus Christi or the county who are longtime partners, but who want to do more and have more of a presence, um, it excites me. Um, so, the, so the city really, after communicating to us that they wanted to have more involvement, that's kind of how that all formed. And we did uh, move it to city hall with the city being more than gracious and offering us, you know, resources, time, talent. Um, to make sure that we had the best showing possible. That is so wonderful. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, you know, it's always nice when your local government wants to lend a helping hand, you know what I mean? And be involved. Absolutely. That's huge. So are there other community outreach opportunities, you know, that the sorority kind of spearheads? Well, um, so we... We try our best to put on effective programming, but also some fun programming throughout the year. So um, so at our core, at our mission, um, we do primarily focus on the African-American community, again, just because of our legacy and, and how we were founded. Um, but we center our programming around uh, what we call a five-point programmatic thrust, and that's economic development, educational development, international awareness and involvement, physical and mental health, and political awareness and involvement. So um, we try to touch on each of those as best we can, but our sorority is probably more known for political awareness and involvement and social action, hence our involvement in the MLK March. Absolutely. Yes, I love that. Yeah. And so we also put on programs like candidate forums during election time, voter registration drives, because a lot of our members are deputized to be voter registrars. 
we want to make sure that people are politically engaged in their community, that they're aware of the issues, that they know where the candidates stand on the issue so that they can be as informed as possible uh, when they make that decision and cast their vote. So we do a, a, a lot of that, um, a, a lot of our programming centers around that. Um, but, you know, I mentioned economic development. We also recently at the end of April just posted a program for um, financial literacy month uh, in April, but what we call financial fortitude month. So we held a summit on generational wealth and especially empowering communities of color, um, especially black communities to start looking at different ways to, uh, you know, grow their income, um, uh, get involved through uh, investments, whether it's investments, insurance, home ownership, you know, kinds of things that have historically been denied to communities of color. Yes. Um, we want to start to embolden you know, our communities to do things like that. So we put, we put on a variety of programming uh, throughout the year to, to really try to, to focus in on those areas. Absolutely. And in uh, that last point that you made about developing the generational wealth, wealth, um, such important information. uh, And I love that y'all are spreading that and empowering, you know, the community in that kind of way. Um, Nikila, I think you're absolutely incredible. Um, everything that you've done, because you've done so much. uh, It's just amazing. I've been in the same job for 13 years. And you have you have so much experience under your belt. And your gracious attitude is so, you know, motivating. And I just, I'm so fortunate to have had this time with you. And and, um, just I really appreciate your being here. And Thank you for deciding to stay in Corpus Christi. We're just so lucky to have you And, and I appreciate you very much for joining me tonight. Well, I have to tell you, thank you, first of all, but I also have to tell you that I really appreciate what you're doing with this podcast. It's so important to me, and this is why I feel so passionate about being part of a sisterhood like Delta Sigma Theta, that women really pump each other up, right? Like, we can be such powerful advocates for each other. And what a great idea to just highlight women in our community who are doing incredible things, Um, So like I said, I just feel honored to even be a part of this. So I really thank you for the invite. And I just, you know, I hope that you have tenfold the episodes that you have now, because I know there are women here in Corpus Christi who are doing amazing things and you can, you can find them. (laughs) Y'all just keep coming out of the woodwork. I could do this podcast forever. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. I I really, really appreciate it, Nikila. Thank you.